Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey friends, this is Kat Lee, and today we're chatting with Mandy Ariotto. She is the president and CEO of Mops International, and we're going to be talking about the power of community in motherhood. Now, before we get into our chat, though, I want to say a wonderful and huge thank you to our show sponsor, Plan to Eat. Plan to Eat is an online menu planning site, and they make everything that has to do with meal planning so much easier. They manage your recipes, they make your shopping list, and they make menu planning a breeze. I have been using them for years, and I love them. You can get a free 30-day trial by going to plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action. All right, let's jump into our chat today with Mandy Ariotto. Hey, Mandy, how are you doing today? I am so good. I'm so excited to be here with you. Thank you so much for being on the Inspired to Action podcast. You're kind of like the person to have on a podcast for moms because you're the president and CEO of Mops, which I'm sure everyone listening to has probably heard of. And if you haven't, go out and find a local Mops group. Amazing community, amazing resource for any young mom. Um, Mandy, now, while a lot of people may know about Mops and be super familiar with that, they might not know a ton about you yet. And so I would love for you to just take a minute and introduce yourself. Yeah, thank you. So I have three kiddos, um, 14, 11, and 9. So it's a big year for us because we have one going into high school and one going into junior high. And so it's very exciting around the Arioto house. Um, I grew up in upstate New York and then moved to San Diego where I spent a lot of years and met my husband. He asked me out using the cheesiest pickup line ever, but it totally worked. Okay, I need so, to know what it is. What was, what was the pickup line? <laughs> okay, he called me. We were in college. He called me out of the blue. I didn't know who he was. And he said, hey, Mandy, um, this is Joe, and I'm doing a survey of girls with beautiful smiles, and you were the top, at the top of the list. So <laughs> really super cheesy. But I love it. I agreed to go out with him, and the rest is history. And now we live in Denver. We've been in Denver for three years, um, and just am grateful that I get to raise three kiddos um, who are uniquely their own person and so different. And I always marvel at the fact that kids can come from the same family and have such wildly different personalities. So, um, yeah. So that's a little bit about me. Well, I totally concur on that because my kids are actually exactly the same ages as your kids, um, except my 11-year-old just turned 12. So oh, we're just slightly off, but they're going into high school, junior high, and then my youngest is going into the fourth grade. And I'm often thinking, I, I remember birthing all of you. <laughs> actually, I don't remember one because it was an emergency C-section, but... <laughs> I mostly rest. remember. I remember being large, and I'm pretty sure it was with you. 
<laughs> and they are so extraordinarily just phenomenally different. It absolutely boggles the mind. And, you know, it's just one more thing that puts me in awe of God and how, you know, he created each one of us so, so uniquely. It's amazing. Totally. It's one of my favorite things about having a family. I think that there's all these different unique personalities and we get to live together and like do things differently and have disagreements. And yet we love each other fiercely. And so I just, I just really enjoy that part. So feel free to not answer this question if you don't often talk about your kids, but what would be in your family kind of the unique personalities that you have going? Okay. So my oldest Joseph is, um, a people person and like he will walk into a room and everybody knows him and he engages in conversation with every single person. Um, he was struggled in school for a lot of years and I'd go in and I'd talk to his teachers and I'd be like, I'm really concerned. And his teachers are like, he's fine. We love having him in class. He's phenomenal. And so he just has this ability to win people over. Um, my middle daughter is, neat as a pin like there is nothing in her room that is out of place <clears throat> she did not get that from joe and i i don't know where it came from she is diligent and wise and deep and like a, a amazing thinker like she puts ideas together in ways that blow my mind i'm like where did you come from because you are wise beyond your years and she just has this innate sense of kindness. Like she navigates the world with kindness on her sleeve. And so I just love that about her. And then my youngest is the life of any party. And so she is athletic and loves sports. And when she shows up, you know she is there. She makes friends with everyone. Um, at her birthday party, she couldn't narrow down her list. She had 30 people on her list that she wanted to invite. Um, and so she's funny and likes to act and does weird impressions and so it is uh she just shows up and she has a big personality so that's kind of the unique things that I have going on in my family what about you and your husband are you like any one of your children in particular I'm probably most like my middle daughter I am uh, the biggest introvert you have ever met in your entire life and so um which makes sense as the president of an organization <laughs> of like a hundred thousand moms. It's very ironic, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I hate being the center of attention. I find other people's stories much more fascinating, so it's really hard for me to talk about myself. And um I love to read and think and all those kinds of things. So I'm probably most like Ellie and my husband Joe is probably most like um our son. He walks into a room and wins everyone over and uh, I, I just say he, he wears generosity, like a fine Italian suit. Like people just enjoy being around him. So that's, that's it reminds me of a, some quote I saw somewhere the other day. It said, there are two kinds of people at every party. The ones who want to stay forever and the ones who want to go home right now. The trouble is they're often married to one another. It's so true in my case. That is brilliant. I love <laughs> <laughs> so I would I would love to hear just a little bit of how you came to be the president of MOPS. Like what 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 journey brought you into that position? And then my big question, kind of, you can answer this one first. Is it intimidating to be the president of MOPS? You know, does it impact you know kids? You know, you gotta you gotta toe the line right now. Or kids, you you can't wear that or you can't say that. You know, does it does it add extra pressure to you? Or have you learned? 
how to carry the role and, and not the weight of it? Wow, that's a great question. It, um, it does feel heavy and intimidating, um, mostly because I find that um, the motherhood space mixed with uh, faith gets really complicated sometimes. And collectively as humanity, we all have different ideas and thoughts and um, expectations of how things are gonna play out. And one of the biggest challenges that I bump up against is that people um, feel like they can say anything they want to online. Mm. And lots of times the things that they say online are not true or kind or accurate. And so I personally have to work on not getting my feelings hurt, not walking through negativity and kind of keeping my eyes up and saying we are an organization that loves women and believes in the power of motherhood and followers of Jesus who desperately want other women to get um, to know him better as well. And so that's the intimidating part for me. And it's fascinating that you brought up um, feeling the pressure with my kids. I was talking to this really wise woman. I was actually doing a radio interview and she's like a parenting expert and we were talking and I was like, what is your best advice for me as a mom? And she said, my best advice is to navigate um, your, your kid's childhood with the expectation that you are going to love it. That it's just going to be a uniquely enriched time of, of enjoying your kids. And she said, when you um, when you can navigate the world like that, when you just go into it not thinking this is going to be hard or my kids are going to mess up or they're going to be difficult. And she's like, when you just have the belief like I'm going to enjoy this season, then then that's what's actually going to happen. And so I've just kind of taken the stance that I am raising adults. I'm not raising kids and raising adults means that my kids are going to mess up sometimes. They're going to do things that embarrass me. Um, and I am totally fine with it because I am committed to loving this season and helping them turn into the best adults they can be. And that means being strong-willed occasionally. And so I enjoy that. And that means standing up to bullies. And I enjoy that when they start owning their little personalities and fighting for against injustice. And, and what that means is that they stand up to their teacher who they felt like was being mean to someone else in the class and gets into the principal's office. Wow. Um, I think when I can reframe things and just say, my kids are learning life skills and so they don't have to be perfect right now. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't reflect on, on who I am um, as a leader of an organization and keep those really separate. It, it works and I get to enjoy my kids and enjoy all of their idiosyncrasies. So. Well, I think that's pretty much all we need for the Inspired Action Podcast today. <laughs> that, that is a word that every mom needs to hear and probably needs to listen to over and over again because, honestly, I often think that probably the expectation I put on myself of how my kids should behave leads to my worst parenting decisions. Oh, gosh, that's so true. Um, and, and so, and, and, but I love what you said about navigating motherhood, expecting to love it. Okay. This is going to sound super nerdy, but I was reading this morning. Um, uh, there was a study done by um, a Stanford professor named Baba Shiv 
And um, basically he asked a sample of people to take a, like to drink a, a new high energy drink that was supposed to give them more alertness and more clarity. And about half of the people, he gave a drink that just had like Splenda in it or, you know, something that wasn't actually going to give them that jolt of glucose to make them mm -hmm. think better. Um, and then the other people, he actually gave them some sort of high energy drink. Um, and then, um, but basically what happened is that the people that received, oh, well, yeah, the people that, um, got the drink that was just kind of like a discounted drink. So, so, uh, okay. So here's I'm remembering it as I go along. Um, so one, one group of people, it was supposed to be like a high end energy drink. And then the other one, it was supposed to be a low end energy drink. And so the people kind of ended up having different expectations. Oh, well, this one costs more and this one costs less, or this one is more effective and this one is less effective. So then he had them do some math problems. And the ones who were told that what they were given was a less effective thing scored consistently 30% less on their math quizzes. Um, oh, and, but, but in actuality, in opposition to what I said earlier, they were given the same drink. And so basically what the study showed is that kind of your expectations really and truly impact so much of your outcome. Obviously oh, not man. the sole factor, but just, yeah. you know, this scientific study by Stanford University that people were given the exact same thing and then asked to do a task and one group um, operated at a 30% difference in the other group. Uh, anyway, I just thought that was kind of fascinating. And so then when you just said navigating motherhood, expecting to love it. So does that mean maybe that, you know, in some some percentage arena that we're going to love motherhood 30% more, obviously not a specific number, but, you know, it, it is actually scientifically true that just expecting to love it is going to set us up for that much more excess as opposed to you know, listening to all the women in the grocery store and say, oh, teenagers, they're super hard. You're going to hate exactly. having teenagers yes. or whatever phase your kid is in, right? Totally. I started seeing a therapist not too long ago because I was like, there's some things in my life that I need to take a look at. And one of the things that he told me is many, many times this experience we are having is the one we are creating. And it's like, I believe in the power of our words, right? I believe that from the very beginning, um, God speaks creation into existence and then gives humanity the ability to name animals. And in so doing, we are giving them their identity. And I think our words have this tremendous power to bless and to curse. And we get to choose how we speak blessing and life and expectancy over all of our situations. I'm just convinced that um, we get a lot better outcomes than when we go into something with cursing is a strong word, but like, uh, this is going to be terrible. This is going to be hard. This is going to be whatever, whatever that narrative that we're playing in our minds. So yeah, I just think expectancy is such a powerful gift we can give to our families. So as the president of a community of so many women, you've seen the impact and the power that community has on young moms because that can be one of the most isolating times uh, when you know you have a newborn at home it's hard to get out especially if you have a newborn plus kids that are just a little bit older and you know the importance of just those relationships and things what would you say are some of the biggest obstacles to young moms today maybe in general but then specifically in regard to relationship you know thinking about you know, when I was little, I didn't have social media when I was little. My, when my kids were little, we didn't have um, social media like we do today. 
And so just, you know, in the past couple of years, as you've seen these different moms, what do you just say are some of the biggest obstacles that, that you've seen? Yeah, I think for me, when I was a young mom, I was, um, I brought my babies home from the hospital and none of my friends had kids. And so I was like thrown to the wolves, right? I had no idea what I was doing. I, we lived in this tiny town far away from people and it was so consuming this task of caring for another little person's body um, that that filled my entire day. And so I think for moms, it's margin. I feel like we don't have a ton of margin to cultivate friendships at that stage of our lives when we have little ones at home. And I honestly think that social media has hindered um, our ability to create friendships as well because it fills this void, a, a small part of the void that we have of needing community, needing other people who are in it too. And in some way it lets us off the hook. Right, so we don't have to go outside of our house and intentionally start up a conversation with another woman at the playground um, because a small part of our need for, for relationship gets filled by social media. But ultimately, um, the big picture is that we have a deep need to be surrounded by other women who are in a similar stage of life who uh, can kind of form a tribe. So I am a huge advocate, like throughout history, the way that women thrived was by having their tribe of people who helped them, who encouraged them, who went, you know, got food when they needed to and could kind of divvy up the tasks of raising small human beings. And so I just deeply believe in my soul that one of the best ways to thrive as a mom, the best ways to thrive as a woman is to have your girlfriends, uh, your tribe of women who surround you and who can encourage you when you are feeling down. And I think the biggest hindrance to that is one margin to um, being let off the hook by social media. And then three, um, I think we sometimes when we have little kids at home don't prioritize it. And so we forget about our own needs because we're so busy taking care of everyone else's. But what we forget is that we are our best self, our, we are best equipped to take care of the people in our lives when we are full and our tanks are full. And so really intentionally practicing self-care so that we can care for the people around us. That's so true. I, and it's honestly, I feel like it goes a little bit against our American identity. You know, I've, I've often heard, you know, motherhood isn't spelled martyr. Hmm. Um, but I feel like as in the culture that at least I feel like I grew up in, the harder you go, like if I, especially with the Olympics coming up, if I think about the Olympics and somebody who's a really great athlete is going to run so hard that they just pass out or they're going to train so hard that they just you know, or up all night or just whatever, the, the harder you push yourself, the better you are. And, and that goes against the reality, like you said, of self-care. And so what would you say to the mom though, that it feels a little bit like, man, if I, I feel guilty if I take time for myself. Absolutely. And I will say I'm the worst at this. Like I grew up in a home where, um, you just pushed through, you put on your boots and like went through, you know, went through life and didn't take a lot of time or energy focusing inward. And so I'm, this is something that I've really had to practice. 
uh, over my almost 40 years here. Um, here's what I think. I think there's a rhythm to how God created the world. I think that there is a cycle of creation and working and toiling, and then there is this definitive call to stop and to pretend for a day that the work is finished. And so for me, the guilt um, is not holy. It is not sacred. It is not, um, it is something we put on ourselves that shouldn't be there because we are called to have a rhythm of rest and self-care. And so this idea of Sabbath, I think, is just so huge for our generation of women. And Sabbath, in a lot of circles, has just meant rest and stop and do nothing. But I like to reframe that because I don't think that's actually what's intended. I think it's more about doing things that rejuvenate and restore our soul. And so instead of getting quiet and slowing down and stopping, Maybe it's going to a dance class. Maybe it's reading a book. Maybe it's going outside and laughing um, super hard with your kids. It's intentionally cultivating play and restoration and rejuvenation into our lives. And I think that is holy and something that we can push the guilt aside for because we are called to have a healthy rhythm in our life. What would you say that thing would be for you? It looks different at different so um, right now it's starting to take a dance class and as a little girl I loved dancing and all through uh, junior high I always took dance classes and so I decided to go to a hip-hop class recently because I was feeling like that would be restorative and rejuvenating in my life and so that's one thing that I've been doing lately okay I need um, to know what the demographic of that class is oh gosh I'm like the oldest person in I there love it <laughs> and like total uncool <laughs> mom but um they probably I, think you're the coolest mom ever I don't know I'm not sure <laughs> but they are very gracious with me and let me play along but it's just like the highlight of my week it makes me feel like um, I'm doing something that cultivates um, just fun in my life. And that's hard. I have to work really hard at cultivating fun. Like my natural bent is rather serious, like get things done, check things off my list. But I am a much better mom, a much better friend, a much better wife when I intentionally am more playful. So, so outside of the, the weekly hip hop class, what do you do on a daily basis? Um, I have for rejuvenation or just what is my normal schedule look like no yeah for rejuvenation for, for that that rest okay that so rest. this is super asinine and I used to hate when people would say this especially when my kids were little because I was like dude that's ridiculous like sleep in but I like to get up early before my household is up and just take a couple minutes like 30 minutes to do some reading and prayer and a little bit of exercise if it fits and drink some tea um, and that's not that's so that works in my current phase of life that did not work when I had little kids like I an extra hour of sleep was really important so right now that's something I do every day to restore and kind of regroup and bring life to my soul and um, 
every night my kids and I go on a bike ride. So it's summer and it's beautiful out and it's light super late. So we go on a bike ride through our neighborhood and it's just this tradition we've developed over the last couple of weeks and we all look forward to it. And so that's just another thing that I kind of look forward to during the day. That's so fun. Well, my listeners will know that um, I, so I actually have another organization that I lead called Hello Mornings and our not our motto, but kind of our theme is called God Plan Move. And it's about spending time with God, planning your day, and making healthy choices in the morning so we have the energy mm-hmm. to do the things that God has called us to. So as you said that, I'm sure everybody listening was like, oh, no, Kat will understand. <laughs> Kat, Kat gets it. Okay, um, I feel good about that. But, yeah, but I totally agree about the when people have young kids because so a lot of times people uh, when they'll join hello mornings they'll say something like yeah i want to get up at 5 30 or i want to get up an hour and a half earlier and I'm like well how old are your kids oh they're three weeks and two years and whatever i'm like you know maybe if you just work on the routine part and just you know for like five minutes when you wake up that'll yes. be, that'll be good because you, you need you need you need you need your sleep so uh so i totally think that you're so wise in saying that it's not always going to work when you have the little little ones but um but when we can fit that in that time is so so life-giving i heard an interview with you i forget exactly where but you talked about another tradition you have and so i'm kind of seeing this theme that especially with your kids being a little bit older that the friendships that you have are really with your kids as well you talked about a holy cannoli night i want to say is that oh yes yes can you tell us a little bit about that (laughs) so every friday night at my house we i just love cannolis they are like the bomb and i would eat one every day if i could but we have this favorite restaurant by our house and so every friday night my kids know it's holy cannoli night and if other people want to come over they are welcome to but like that is sacred family time in my house and so we just are huge on weaving into our family life practices that kind of just um unite us together and also cultivate a lot of joy in our lives and so another practice that we do is when anyone comes over to our house i learned this from john weiss who's a pastor Um, who I interviewed once, and he said whenever they had anyone come to their house, they had them sign their name under their kitchen table. And I thought it was so brilliant. And he said, there's this unique thing that happens when someone signs their name in your home. It's like they have jurisdiction there, and they feel welcome there. And it's like there is a leveling of the playing field that suddenly that's somewhere they want to be, like they own a piece of it. And so we have anyone who comes over sign their name under our table. And it's just this really cool tradition in our family and for everyone who comes to our house that they have a piece of themselves in our home and they are always welcome. So we just love the idea of incorporating little tiny traditions into the fabric of our day that help kind of unite us together and welcome other people into our traditions as well. That's so fun. Although I'm trying to picture like great aunt Selma crawling under the kitchen table. Oh, it is hilarious. <laughs> Some people, what the lengths we've had to tip the table up on the, its end. So <laughs> someone can sign it. But, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have any traditions um, with friends or around friendship? that have, have helped you to deepen this? Because, you know, you moved not too, too long ago. And so I'm sure that was quite the transition. How have you managed that? Even though your kids are older, it's still a challenge to develop those new sort new friendships. Here's the truth. I've done it rather poorly. I think in moving, 
I don't know if I'm alone in this, but it might just be me. Um, my main focus when we move is to make sure my kids get their friends, right? I want them to feel adjusted and like they've got their close group. Even if it's just one friend, that's been my main priority. And so we've um, been in our new location for three years. In the first two years, I was solely focused on my kiddos. And this past year, there was a moment where my husband looked at me and he's like, Mandy, I love you dearly and you need some girlfriends. And so um, I have spent the last year intentionally working at building friendships with women in this new city and also reaching back out to friendships um, that I kind of didn't put a lot of effort into uh, the two years after we moved. And so um, what I've done is reached out. I, I have to go, I have to work really hard at this. This is not come naturally to me. I've called women who I feel like I want to be their friend and said, hey, can we go out to coffee? I've um, invited my kids' friends over whose moms I want to get to know better to my messy house um, and said, hey, do you want to come over for coffee while our kids play? And it's just very small, like nothing out of the ordinary. But it takes a lot of intentionality for me to reach out to other women and welcome them into my messy life and my messy home and all those kinds of things. And so it's just taken some intentionality on my part. And I actually have met a friend at the dance class I go to. So sometimes doing the things we love help us to find other people who have those same interests and building friendships there. And I think just a lot of it is reaching out and going outside of our comfort zone. Well, I would say if there's another woman our age at a hip hop dance class, you're probably going to be like soulmate. I know, right? Friends. It's like it was meant to be. <laughs> Oh, I love it. So what are some ways that you've also cultivated those relationships that you still have from California, um, even though you're long distance? I'm a huge, huge fan of handwritten notes. And so every once in a while, I'll just handwrite a note to my girlfriends and send them their way. I try to get back at least once a year just for a girlfriend weekend. Just And that's hard when your kids are little, but now that mine are older, it makes it a little more um, feasible. And then every once in a while, I will uh, text them and just let them know I'm thinking of them. I think there's this powerful thing that happens when out of the blue we let people know, hey, you're on my mind, I'm thinking about you. And when we have friends all over the country, one of my best friends is in New York, others are in San Diego, you know, friends in Chicago and all over the place. A little tiny reach out goes a really long way. And so I just think it's, it's the details of life that matter. It's the small things that create the big relationships. And so I don't think it takes a lot. I just think it takes a little bit, a tiny, teeny, tiny bit of intention. You mentioned it being obviously a little bit scary to invite someone to coffee that you admired or having someone over. Um, your kids are a little bit older, so obviously you might actually be able to have a conversation when the people come over. What would you say to the mom listening who has really little kids and, you know, it's at that stage when it is so hard to even complete a sentence and it feels that much more intimidating to invite someone. What would you say to the mom who's just maybe introverted, kind of scared to reach out, but what would you say to her to tell her that it's worth it? 
I think the greatest gift we give each other is seeing the true state of our lives, right? And so in seeing one another, we feel seen and we help other people to know that they are valuable because we are looking at them and acknowledging what they are experiencing and feeling and all of those kinds of things. And so I would say there's never a perfect time, place, situation to cultivate friendship. And some of my best friends have come from scenarios that were not ideal. And so um, whether it was that our kids didn't get along in school and so we had to work that out together and all of a sudden we are the best of friends or our kids are crazy running around at the McDonald's playground and we somehow bond over that. And so I think the gift of being together and saying, holy cow, this is crazy right now. And our kids are all running around like wild men and women, Um, but we get to bond over that. And even if it's only that we get to talk for two sentences before we have to go and rescue someone from the swing set, um, that's a gift in and of itself. And so I think friendship is always worth it. Short conversations are always worth it. And there is never an ideal scenario to, um, if we wait for it to be ideal, it will never happen. So good. So Mandy, you've recently written a book called Starry Eyed. And I, I'm a, I think this is an especially applicable book to the Inspired to Action listeners. Um, because one, you are, while still in the midst of motherhood, you're on the other side of the, you know, the really little years and kind of into the tween teen phase. And so there's so much wisdom that comes with that as well, even though we're not all the way through yet. But you also lead this organization of so many moms and you've seen so many situations and experiences. And, and I'd love for you just to give us a little bit of insight into the book and what moms can expect from it. So the whole goal of Starry-Eyed is to remind women that there are other women who are having the same experiences and that we're all in it together. That life is hard sometimes and it doesn't mean we're doing it wrong, it just means we are doing life. And that there are tremendous lessons to be learned when things feel a little bit unsteady or a little bit off or like this isn't how life should be turning out. And so I think um, the greatest gift of Starry-Eyed I hope for for people is to recognize there's a chapter in there called Sister Courage. And we have this story in my family where my two girls, when they were little, anytime one of them needed to do something brave, we'd send the sister with them, either sister with them. And there's this term that kind of developed from it is, oh, you totally have sister courage. And it means I have you by my side. I can do something that if I know you're right there, that feels a little bit scary to me. And so I hope that Starry-Eyed provides a little sister courage. It's another woman standing by your side saying, you got this. You uh, totally have everything you need to navigate life and flourish fully. And um, that we're so much better when we are together, when we're cultivating friendship and practicing the things that restore our souls and help us to feel alive again. So good. So good, because you know, in talking to friends and talking to people at at conferences or events, it's something that I hear often, people saying, I'm probably the only one, but, and then they go on and share their story. And 
You know, I, I wonder if anybody's ever said that and it's actually been true. <laughs> Because there's always someone, at least in that conversation, that's like, oh, no, I've been there. I've done that. Uh, but then in the whole scheme of moms across the country and around the world, we are not alone in whatever our challenges or obstacles might be. And and I love that phrase, sister courage. And I, that just seems kind of like you're talking about earlier about the expecting to like motherhood. That kind of sets your daughters up for expecting to need one another and expecting the the sister to bring the best um, out of them. So I, I love the, I love that phrase and I love how you apply it to your daughters, but then to, um, to moms in general as well. I think that's my favorite thing I've heard all week, what you just said right there. I mean, that is beautiful. I love it. Which love part? It. About how it sets my girls up mm. to have excellent expectations about their sister and how their sister shows up for them. And I just love it. Well, it does, you know, as just, even as you were just saying the phrase, I'm like, oh, I need to use that. Mm -hmm. I need to use that in my own home um, because I just think it does. It just makes you think, oh, well, this is a little scary on my own, but if I get my sister, we can do this together. Mm -hmm. Like that, um, I don't know how old you are. Do you remember the show? Like there's a show called Wonder Twins. Oh, gosh. They like put their fists together or something like power or maybe power twins. Power twins activate and then they... Okay, I know somebody listening knows what I'm talking about and you're laughing with me. I'm going to search it out now because I have to see this show. Yeah, it's like power twins activate. And then when they put their little fists together, I think if I'm remembering this correctly, they can take the shape of anything. So then they would like save the day. Um, anyway, so it made me think of the power twins or maybe the wonder twins. I don't remember what they're called that when they put their fists together, something magical happens when they can do something together, then they can do more than they could alone. So I am definitely going to be adopting the sister courage phrase in my home. I love that. Where can people find your book, Mandy? Yeah, it's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere books are sold. Uh, so yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule for us. Um, If there was one parting word you would give to the mom who's about to take her headphones off and head to go pick up her kid from nap time or from the daycare at the gym or from school, what parting encouragement would you give her kind of as a fist bump to, to go get him and be the mom that God made her to be? So I, with my whole heart, love the idea of showing up wherever you are, of bringing your full self into whatever stage of life you are in or whatever situation tomorrow holds to be fully present and to show up bravely and uniquely just as you have been created i think is the biggest gift that you give to yourself and the people all around you so show up bravely and fully and walk confidently that um, you are doing important work in the world as a mom and also influencing everyone you encounter fantastic Where can people find you online? And if they want to get connected with MOPS, how can they do that? Yeah, so they can find me at mandyarioto.com. And then MOPS is mops.org. And we have groups all over the world. We're in 40 countries. So if you are looking for your tribe of sisters, we um, would love to have you join us. Fantastic. Again, Mandy, thank you so much. And I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Thanks. So fun hanging out with you. Bye. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. 
Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. And in this place, my heart begins to sing. It's gonna be a good day, a good day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet new mercies. May my thoughts obey Jesus to walk in His way.